0: Before we start today's episode, Madam Amy would like to issue a disclaimer. When discussing Wilson Fisk and Madam Gao's meeting, Amy needs you all to know that she suffered a mini-stroke when she called the language they're speaking Chinese. She meant to say Mandarin and has mentally flogged herself for the flub... Uh, uh, I mean stroke. Now on with the show. Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris.
1: And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel.
0: Madam's Assemble.
1: So, my dear, how are you feeling after seeing all these wounds oozing?
0: (laughs) I'm just trying not to think about the various strains of infection that must be crawling through Matt's body. (laughs) Especially because... Over the weekend, because I am a horror masochist, I watched The Haunting of Bly Manor. And spoiler alert about this, anybody. But uh, yeah, there is a scene when it's like back in the 1600s. La 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 and la And one of the characters is super sick. And it's the 1600s. So, of course, it's bring the leeches. And she's in bed just fucking covered <laughs> in leeches. I just can't. I can't. With the blood and the germs. I can't. Okay. So, yeah, that is the one problem I have with this episode, is that there is no discussion of antibiotics for Matt. There's just massive amounts of stitching. <laughs> he looks like Frankenstein's fucking monster when this show opens.
1: <laughs> and he still continues to look like that. Yeah. Through the episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And once again, Charlie Cox does an amazing job just being injured in this episode. <laughs> It's becoming quite normal for him, but still. Mm. And you know what I thought was really interesting? When Matt wakes up and he looks at himself and looks at Foggy, he's like, you stitched me up?
1: (laughs) He's like, oh, damn, I'm in trouble.
0: (laughs) Yeah, really, Matt? You've known him for how long? At what point did he develop any kind of medical skills whatsoever?
1: Well, to be fair, he is in a lot of pain and disoriented.
0: Yeah, that's true. But I mean, what's more likely, Matt... That Foggy somehow became a nurse overnight or that you freaked out when he tried to get you to the hospital and had him call Claire.
1: Well, like he said, he doesn't remember any of that.
0: Yeah. If Foggy thinks conveniently. (laughs) The tension in this episode is off the charts.
1: Yeah, it is. It's a very difficult episode to deal with, but at the same time, very needed.
0: Absolutely. This was inevitable. It was,
1: yes. I was honestly surprised that they did it so soon.
0: I think they had to. Why? Because you can only hide a secret this big, given what Matt's doing for so long.
1: Uh, Okay, you're talking from a story perspective, which, first off, Matt held on to the secret for a very, very long time.
0: That's my point. He was probably past due with it. He was was crime fighting on borrowed time.
1: (laughs) I meant from a television show perspective. Something like this is usually kept on as a secret for much longer to build the tension.
0: The identity reveal, you mean? Yes. In this case, I think it's different because this is a 13 episode season. This isn't network television.
1: Yeah, true.
0: And I think they had plenty of content from the comics to mine for this show.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's true. And it also goes to show that they are confident enough in themselves to know that they don't need this tension, this particular tension to keep the viewers coming back.
0: Right. If anything, we needed a release valve.
1: Yeah, that's true. But there isn't much in this episode that gives us a breather. It's just so
0: heavy. I wanted this for Foggy, though. I so badly wanted this for him because he has a right to know. Like, I knew it was going to hurt him. But at the same time, like, don't you realize, Matt, if you want to take Fisk down, you need their help. And they're already in it anyway. The truth has to come out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It does. But I kind of feel really bad for Foggy.
0: Of course. And what gets me is with Matt this entire episode... There were a number of moments where I literally said out loud on my couch, how did you think this was going to go?
1: He didn't think it was going to go anyway, because he was trying to hide it forever.
0: I know, but that's my point. Like, that was never going to be feasible. It just wasn't.
1: Well, in his mind, he probably thought it was. People have the capability of hiding, of fooling themselves immensely.
0: Oh, they certainly do. And Foggy's first question for the man he considered his best friend is perfectly plausible and understandable. Are you even really blind?
1: Yeah, completely understandable. Yeah. Because his entire impression, his entire friendship has been shattered. Yeah. His trust is completely gone.
0: Yeah, he has every right to be both furious and incredibly hurt. And he he goes back and forth between the two of being either more angry or more hurt.
1: Yeah, and that's incredibly human and very well done.
0: Yeah, Eldon Henson, props to him. He does a fantastic job in this episode. We haven't talked about him much as an actor, but he really shines in this episode. Yeah, he does. So as he asks Mathis, we get our first flashback to college. Mm -hmm. Oh, this wig. (laughs) This wig needs its own IMDb credit in this episode.
1: (laughs) At least they put a cover on it, like a cap or a or a hat or something like that to make it seem a little less wiggy.
0: Yes. And of course, we are talking about Foggy and this blonde monstrosity on his head. Yeah. Which they that was their way of making Eldon Henson look younger for Charlie Cox. They were just like, hey, um, shave like three times a day. <laughs> that should do the trick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the goatee.
0: Oh, God. You can't forget that. (laughs) Oh, I can't. No, no, thank you. Some men should never, ever have facial hair. Eldon Henson is one of them. I don't think that was real. Oh, I know. But I'm saying, regardless, he is not meant for facial hair. He's a baby face and needs to stay that way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but uh, there's something about fake beards that just always look bad.
0: We're talking to you, Wilfred Malik. You hear me? <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans know what we're talking about.
1: hmm They certainly do.
0: So the writing also really shines through in this episode. Because the first yes. thing Foggy tells Matt when he shows up in their college dorm and they discover their roommates. Foggy remembers him from when they were kids. Remembers hearing about the boy from Hell's Kitchen who got blinded, but also saved someone's life, and says to Matt, you are a hero. My heart cracked a little bit. Why? Because I think Matt's always been his hero.
1: Yes, he has.
0: He He's not only lost his best friend right now, he's lost his hero.
1: Yeah, and it also goes to explain so much about their relationship and why Foggy has always been so compliant. He always gave in to what Matt wanted to do.
0: Yeah, And this whole thing here is great. And we do understand now that Foggy is fully aware of how much better looking Matt is than him. Yeah. (laughs) He's super excited to have a new wingman because it'll quote, open up a whole new caliber of women for him. Yeah. Now, I've never. (laughs)
1: Okay, I have to ask you this. Go ahead. Did it seem like they had put on like a fake Betty for him?
0: Maybe a little bit
1: yeah just a little
0: bit of a gut or maybe baggy clothes I don't know but you know I've never no
1: I think there was a bit of a gut maybe this whole ensemble that he had going on with him with the goatee and the hair and and this little belly it kind of reminded me of Thor
0: (laughs) yeah like Thor's hobo cousin maybe (laughs)
1: yeah kind of like you know Halloween costume Thor
0: yeah yeah I see what you mean You know, I've (laughs) never understood this whole, like, male wingman philosophy. Just because, like, your best friend's hot and can get women, you still look the same.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. It Listeners, if you could help us, educate (laughs) us, please.
0: (laughs) I did very much, though, appreciate (laughs) the Maverick and Goose analogy. But Matt's like, um, you do remember that Goose dies, right? (laughs) And I love how Foggy considers himself Maverick in this discussion.
1: I don't know who either of them are, so I can't comment.
0: Maverick was Tom Cruise circa 1984. So, oh, you're talking about Top
1: Gun. Okay. Yes. Okay. 80, 80, 85 years old. You need to tell <laughs> me these things.
0: Yeah, so basically basically, there, Foggy is making himself analogous to 1984 Tom Cruise. I believe 1984, I could be (laughs) wrong. But 80s Tom Cruise. Uh, The 1980s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right.
1: (laughs) So, well, that goes to show that even though he knows that Matt is certainly a very good looking guy, Foggy doesn't think any less of himself.
0: Which is a good thing. Well, no, he kind of does. Because he's saying he can't, get the women he currently wants yeah but he's self-aware
1: yeah he's self-aware but he's still
0: he's okay with himself
1: yeah yeah he's okay with himself he has a healthy amount of self-esteem
0: yes and so then we're back in the present and foggy can barely control his temper when he's on the phone with karen which is a shame because you can see the struggle it's it's not directed at her of course
1: yeah Yeah, he's frustrated and pissed off at the situation, at what he's learned. And unfortunately, she's getting a little bit of the brunt of it.
0: But you know what gets me here? He still gives in to Matt. Yeah. Dude!
1: I'm thinking it's probably more to do with so that Karen doesn't feel the same betrayal that he does.
0: But that doesn't make... But that makes him no better than Matt.
1: True, I agree. It is is a complicated situation.
0: And it wouldn't be nearly as bad with Karen. They really haven't known each other all that long. Him and Foggy are best friends who go back to college to when they were kids. Yeah, true. You could
1: also say that Foggy isn't thinking straight at this point. He's too emotional.
0: Or he's just always done this. Yeah, it's, it's habit. This is his default.
1: Yeah, it's habit for him to always listen to what Matt has to say.
0: Yeah, I'm a little disappointed in Foggy here
1: yeah and you know what after everything the worst thing that foggy has done in this entire episode was show matt the finger how many fingers am i (laughs) holding
0: like at least punch him
1: i think he probably took pity on him considering the amount of wounds he's nursing at the moment
0: i don't know if i would have had that level of restraint (laughs) So, while those two are having their little family counseling session here, Fisk has another meeting.
1: Mm-hmm. He has a meeting with Madame Gao.
0: Yes. Now, I asked you a question yesterday, something I was unsure about in this scene. Mm-hmm. And you very quickly informed me that no, Vincent D'Onofrio is not doing a good job speaking <laughs> Chinese.
1: Yeah, I think what i said was his accent is atrocious
0: yes yeah the way he's speaking like, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if somebody's speaking chinese well or not <laughs> i can tell you if somebody's speaking spanish well or not but uh-huh. that's about it well to be fair
1: i will say this i do not know chinese but i've been around enough people to get the uh, the, the vibe of how they speak his accent is terrible. He's inflecting on <laughs> the wrong words. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it, it seemed like they gave him the script with the Chinese words written phonetically without telling him what it means.
0: <laughs> well, they were probably
1: figuring how many people actually know. Well, yeah, true. But still. And he did. Um, I will say this. He did a good job.
0: Yeah, I mean, that can't be
1: easy. It's not. It's not easy to speak in another language that you do not understand.
0: Yeah, and it's a lot. Like, it's a lot in this scene that he's doing it.
1: Yeah, he is. They probably must have put up teleprompters or something somewhere off camera.
0: I don't know, because he's looking at her.
1: Maybe behind her.
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. It's He's done a good job. Yeah. And it's not easy to get the inflection because the way uh, Chinese is spoken, it kind of has like this, um, it kind of has like a a sing-songy kind of way of speaking. Okay,
0: so Madam Gao is having what uh, people in Texas around me here like to call a come to Jesus talk with Fisk.
1: (laughs) Doesn't go quite as she planned, did it?
0: I don't think it goes quite the way he planned either. I think it goes exactly the way she planned. Okay. Because she's basically saying to him, number one, Vanessa's a liability. Mm-hmm. Number two, how long is it going to take for you to kill me Mm-hmm. after you've killed Nobu? And number three, she tells him you have to choose between being a savior to this city and being an oppressor because the two are mutually exclusive. Right. And underneath all of that is an implicit threat. Oh, absolutely. Yes.
1: So this conversation that Madame Gao has with Fisk, it's also kind of reiterated with Leland later on in the episode.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All his bad guy buddies are telling him like, you've changed. You've got a weakness now, buddy. Yeah. And this has me
1: thinking all this time. Even though we know Fisk is the man behind everything that's happening, he's done what he needed to do via these people through Madame Gao's team, the Russians, Nobu, and Leland has been handling his money, right? Mm -hmm. And in the previous episodes, we've seen that Fisk has always been deferential towards Nobu and Madame Gao. Not so much to the Russians, but definitely to these two. I th-
0: I think he, yeah, I think that's, I think that Fisk, and this shows in the fact that the character at least knows the language, I think he has much more respect for Asian culture than he did the Russians as a people.
1: Yeah, sure. Fair enough. It could be that, but it's also about the sheer power that these two parties have. Mm-hmm. And he leveraged them to get to where he is. He made deals with them in order to get something and give them something with the Russians. It was more of a deal of convenience. He had to do that in order to get what he needed, but he had no Mm -hmm. respect or he knew they were thugs. Yes, that's well put. Right. But Nobu and Madame Gao especially have a lot of power.
0: Yeah, he sees them much more as equals. Right.
1: Right now that he's changed tactics now that he's come out of the shadows and he's trying to make himself to be the savior of hell's kitchen it could go two ways one he's distracted and this is obviously i'm saying keeping it uh keeping what happens next out of it because it's i'm a bit fuzzy about it i'm just looking at this from a psychological point of view because he's coming out of the shadows. One, these people are feeling a bit threatened because now he is building his own influence and power. Or two, he's making mistakes thanks to what Vanessa is telling him to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. A lot of this, like the way these guys have been talking to Fisk and we know Fisk has his issues because of his past abuses. The way these guys keep talking to him, it seems like... They don't want him to change. It's kind of like your abuser telling you you've changed when you are standing up for yourself, when you're becoming a better person. You're breaking away from that cycle. Yep, you're right. So we don't know at this point whether it's them cautioning him because Vanessa is leading him down the wrong path or because they are afraid that they are losing their influence on him.
0: I'm going to go more with the former on this because... I think Madam Gao was just fine before Wilson Fisk ever came along and she'll be just fine afterwards. Yes. I think this is absolutely a matter of you don't see your own weakness, but the rest of us do. And it's it's not even maybe the things Vanessa is telling him to do. It's that he now has to divert resources and energy and emotion to this new player and it's compromising him. In ways he does not yet understand or realize. Okay. You can't be a supervillain and have people you love. You just can't do it.
1: But that's the thing. He doesn't look at himself as a supervillain. He looks at, he looks to himself as a hero.
0: Right. But his associates see him as a supervillain. Yeah. They get it. They have the awareness. He doesn't. He deludes himself about what he is, but they see him very differently than he sees himself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That is something that we discussed about how both Matt and Fisk think they're heroes in their own way. And they both Mm -hmm. want to save people in very different ways.
0: Right. Now, speaking of saving people, sometimes you just can't. And that's Mm -hmm. what we find when we head over to see Ben and his wife in the hospital.
1: It's unclear exactly what's wrong, but she's getting worse.
0: I think we're looking at early onset Alzheimer's. Probably. Yeah, because she's too young to have like typical age-related Alzheimer's. She, but she obviously has dementia and she's deteriorating. So I think we're probably looking at early onset. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking because these two have great chemistry in this quick scene. It's very intimate. It really is lovely.
1: Yeah, it is. It conveys so much in such a short time.
0: It does. There's so much love between them. And more than love is a recognition. She knows her husband so well and knows exactly what he is.
1: Yeah. And they're very supportive of each other.
0: Mm -hmm. Totally. In the right way. (laughs) This is a healthy relationship, everyone. Amy.
1: (laughs) I knew the moment I said it that this was going to come and bite me in the ass.
0: (laughs) If you want to emulate a relationship from this show... This would be the one.
1: I'm going to save my argument for another day.
0: Okay, you do that. (laughs) You pencil it in on your calendar. So the hospital administrator has some bad news for Ben. No extension. He's going to have to put his wife into not even long-term care, but hospice. And that's how we know she is definitely dying.
1: Yeah. So then that makes me think maybe it's not Alzheimer's. There is something more than just early onset alzheimer's because she was plugged in to heart monitors and things like that you don't need all of that could be and again she wouldn't need to be in the hospital for early onset alzheimer's
0: true true so there's probably some other co-occurring condition going on there
1: which is probably making her lose her memories
0: yeah so we head back over to Casa de Matt, where Foggy has reached the next step in like his anger evolution as Matt explains these powers to him.
1: Yes. So Matt basically basically tells him so many things about Foggy that are kind of creepy, to be fair.
0: A little bit. Yeah. Like, sorry, yeah. buddy. Never told you I'm a human lie detector i know every intimate detail about you and everyone i focus on
1: yeah and he says that foggy has had onions in his lunch two days ago um foggy you need to brush
0: (laughs) i totally understand where foggy's coming from when he says this is a complete and utter violation
1: Yeah, I found it hilarious, but it's also true. You listen to her heartbeat without permission? (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Only in Marvel, right, would it be that instead of like a telepath or something like that invading someone's mind without their permission. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, a lot of it, Matt just can't help it.
1: That's what he said. He needs to focus.
0: Only for some things, but for other things, it's just like, you know, looking at words and trying not to read them. You can't do it. Well, I'll give you an example. So back when I was like 22, fresh out of college and working for this God awful scam of a healthcare school as an admissions counselor, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And one night, I was the one working late and my office door was open and the office door of the director was also open. It was just on the other side of a larger open space. And he was talking to our like financial aid lady. And I heard him because this is New Jersey people. You can hear someone easily on the other side of a large open space. So I very clearly heard it. When the director said to this woman, I am going to slap you in the face if you don't stop.
1: Holy shit.
0: So when I was called up to his office the next day after I reported this incident to my supervisor and he questioned me, he asked me why I was eavesdropping on his conversation. And I looked at him and said, I wasn't. My door was open and I have ears. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. That's exactly what I said. Five minutes before I packed up a box and left,
1: so were you fired or you quit?
0: I quit. Okay. <laughs> I quit real fast, so Matt has super ears and other super senses, so he can only control it so much, but yeah, foggy also has a point because he does does get invasive, yeah, he does but at the same time, I would think knowing somebody's truly guilty or truly innocent would really come in handy as a lawyer well yeah and of
1: course like we've kind of made fun of before about the whole blood in the air and the feeling of the bones cracking and all of that i mean it it sure helps with the medical bills (laughs) this is true but it is again invasive you wouldn't want someone to hear or know certain you know private things like if i had onion for dinner matt shouldn't be able to tell me that after two or three days but that's of course my fault because i should be brushing
0: <laughs> but this brings up another point is that this is also a rough life to have because he can't want all of this and we're gonna come to this part later on but the things he can't turn off or tune out that's got to be rough yeah
1: yeah absolutely absolutely
0: So we get another flashback to college here and these two are drunk and I love it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I do too. They kind of reminded me of me and my friend and the way we mess around.
0: And you know what was so sad to me in this is how much more at ease and how much happier Matt is. Yeah. It's like he's not even the same person. And I mean, none of us as adults are the same people we were in college. God knows I wouldn't want to be you know growth and evolution is healthy and natural but in this regard it's different
1: it is we know matt as he is today in in present times but seeing him back it almost seems like a weight is off his shoulders.
0: or not on yet
1: yeah not on yet he hasn't started carrying the weight of the world
0: yet yes yeah carefree and here we get our first little reference to the uh, hot Greek girl in Spanish class that Matt cozied up to. Mm-hmm. We'll meet you later, Electra.
1: Oh, we certainly
0: just will. just sit tight. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that in your voice. I know. We're going to have another Ada situation. I know it's no. coming. Nope, nope, nope. Really? Yep. She is just your type. I'm surprised. What can I say? I'm a complicated person. <laughs>
1: i heard that laugh that sounded like she's full of shit laugh
0: a little bit a little bit we'll we'll see i'm not sure if i believe it yet
1: no i don't know about revisiting now but first time around i couldn't give two shits about her
0: okay neither could i (laughs) so matt comes really close to fully letting his guard down here and letting his powers slip to foggy yeah
1: Yeah, he almost says something.
0: Yeah, and he talks about how his dad never wanted him to fight. His dad knew, I got a smart kid. Use your brain, son. Yeah, so his dad was right. Absolutely. But again, do as I say, not as I do doesn't work so well, Jack. True.
1: May he rest in peace.
0: But his son did grow up to become an avocado, so it's all okay. (laughs) I love Foggy so much. (laughs) Yeah, Matt
1: certainly did become a lawyer. So he is using his brains as well as fighting.
0: Yes. And we see clearly Foggy should have taken Spanish, not Punjabi. Now we have another great scene between Ben and his boss over at the paper. I love this newspaper office. I love it so much. Why? It's messy. Yeah, I know, but it's like lived in and it's got the atmosphere of real reporters. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when I watch all the president's men and the way they redid the newsroom to the New York post, they just like duplicated it. This newsroom, it's got that feeling of like blood, sweat and tears in it. You know, like these are real reporters trying to do real reporting and that's great casting for his boss too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He does have that energy of the tired editor who is haranguing all his people to get a newspaper out.
0: Exactly. And you can see the love between the two of them, too. These two go way back.
1: Yep. They respect each other.
0: Yeah, they certainly do. And he's trying to help Ben out here with kind of a, not a bullshit promotion. It's one he certainly deserves, but it's one he knows that Ben doesn't really want. But he wants to get him better benefits for his wife.
1: Yes, that too. And he also wants Ben to kind of take a load off. We can see yeah. that Ben is day by day. He's getting more tired, more worn down, more jaded.
0: There's a new groove in his face every day. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's a, there's a lot unspoken between the two of them. A lot of subtext here. And it's a lovely gesture from yes, his boss. Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah, it goes to show that their relationship is far more than just a professional relationship where his boss is not just telling him, "Okay, this is where you need to go now. He's asking him.
0: Right. He's still making it his choice. Yeah. So speaking of choices, Foggy and Matt are still choosing to keep poor Karen in the dark. So she is over at the office getting the shit scared out of her.
1: Yeah, that converse box. It kind of freaked me out, too, for a moment.
0: Me too. And you know what, Ben? You can't go skulking around in the shadows, dude. (laughs) When I saw that box, do you know what the first thing that went through my head? Bomb? What's in the box? What's in the box? (laughs) What's in the box? I was half expecting Brad Pitt to walk into that room.
1: (laughs) Uh, I thought bomb or some like scary thing. A message from Fisk.
0: I was thinking maybe a dead rat.
1: Oh, you'd certainly enjoy that, wouldn't you?
0: Well, they're probably already in the walls, so. Yeah,
1: so it's not a big deal.
0: Rat funeral. (laughs) (laughs) So what's actually in the box is all of Ben's clippings, everything he's got or thinks he's got on Fisk. He's basically passing the torch here to Karen. Yeah,
1: it's all his research.
0: Yeah. I like what he says. He says it's an important thing, but it's not the most important thing.
1: Yeah, for
0: me. Right. He's putting his wife first. Yes. Which is good. Yes. Now, I didn't remember what comes next. I loved this episode so much because I was slowly remembering as it went. So at this point, I was like, where is she going to take him? This seems (laughs) fishy. Why don't I trust Karen right now? She's scaring me a little bit. And we're going to find out in a few minutes.
1: Yeah, we are. It almost seems like she's taking him for a ride to take him out.
0: If she was anybody else, I would think she was going to murder him and dump his body in the river.
1: Mm, Exactly. The way she was being so cagey.
0: Yeah, cagey. That's the perfect word. Yes. All right. So it's time again for Fisk to meet with his bad guy buddies. And once again, I will say I both love and hate Leland Owlsley. (laughs)
1: yeah they're both getting ready for their gala it's like they're almost getting ready for a date together
0: yes yes you know and they (laughs) say women go to the bathroom together look at you two (laughs) come on so owlsley is is a bit concerned at the way in which fisk dealt with nobu
1: yeah he is perpetually concerned about everything he is concerned if the wind is blowing in a different direction
0: but you know what i'm gonna say that's fair
1: Well, yeah, considering who he's dealing with and the lifestyle he's leading. Yeah, sure.
0: And I just love what he says to Wesley here. (laughs) I think you're unsettling half the time. You see me lighten a match.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You really understood him there at at that point, didn't you?
0: Yeah. And, you know, you wouldn't want to have a match anywhere near Wesley, because I would think that the slime trail he leaves is very flammable. (laughs) And Owsley just keeps getting a little more brazen with Fisk at every meeting. I gasped, actually gasped when he refers to Vanessa as that woman. Okay. That was an oh no he didn't kind of moment. (laughs)
1: Oh, well, I think it's more to do with that Leland knows he's got Fisk by the balls because he's dealing with all his money.
0: But that also makes a man like Fisk very dangerous.
1: Yeah, true. He knows how dangerous he is, but Leland probably thinks that he's untouchable.
0: Maybe. I mean, that's the only thing that explains it. Otherwise, it's like, dude, do you have a death wish?
1: Yeah, it it basically is that he knows he's untouchable and he's a public figure.
0: True. True. So Fisk basically asks him, hey, can you try and smooth things over with Madame Gao? And Owlsley agrees.
1: Yes. I love the way uh, Owlsley agrees to this. He basically says, yeah, we are all in this together, right? What's left of us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of excellent one-liners in this episode.
0: There really are. Yeah. It's like Fisk's organization is an Agatha Christie novel. <laughs> So then we return to the boys who are continuing to work out their differences. It is not going well.
1: To put it mildly, sure.
0: You know what I think the most striking thing about this episode was, at least for me? Mhm. Prior to this, we rarely see Matt's eyes. Right. Yeah. And in this episode, he never has the glasses on at all. Right. It's like he's naked. It reinforces that vulnerability, that change, the seeing him fully.
1: Yeah, true. And speaking of that, I have to say he's done a good job playing blind, not making eye contact. It's very
0: difficult. Yes. Yeah. Again, it's like seeing words and not reading them. Right. Yeah. Most people's natural instinct is to look someone in the eye if they're talking to them.
1: Yes, and especially when you're doing speaking about something so intense.
0: Right. Foggy does at least get a little bit of relief here when Matt swears to him that he's never killed anyone.
1: He does, but he's still a bit unsure because he's still reeling from all the lies. How does he know that Matt's not lying to him
0: now? That's true. And, you know, we have another level here in the, we're going to call this the Foggy Anger Index. <laughs> He moves up a level now because he remembers, oh, right. I'm a lawyer, right? I am appalled by vigilante justice. Yeah.
1: And he does confront Matt about you were the one who kept telling us that we should do this by the law. We should try and get Fisk by the law. What happened to that?
0: That's true. And so then we get a flashback, which gives us a little more background even on this. This isn't college. We flash back to when Matt and Foggy were interning at Landman and Zach, the law firm. Yes.
1: And this basically shows us that the law firm is a law firm. They're soulless. They're trying to countersuit a sick man for damages who is basically trying to get some kind of compensation because he felt sick at his place of work.
0: Right. And Matt knows this guy is telling the truth. He's listening to his heartbeat.
1: Right. And he then convinces Foggy that this is not the kind of place we want to be working at. This is not the the way we are supposed to be helping people.
0: True. But I got to point out here, it was Foggy's choice.
1: Yes. I don't deny that.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's easy to say Matt completely bullies him into everything. But this is a grown man who needs to be able to stand up for himself and make his own decisions.
1: Yeah. And he made this choice because he trusted Matt. And now the reason for this flashback at this point of time is because is feeling betrayed. He trusted him. He, he trusted Matt. He made all these decisions based on his relationship and his trust with Matt. And now he realizes this guy's been lying to him since he's known him.
0: Yeah, But at the same time, we have to respect Matt for not wanting to defend somebody he knows is guilty. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. And wanting to, do, wanting to do right by innocent people.
1: Yes. The problem here is not about Matt wanting to do the right thing or trying to help people. It's that he's going too far. He's doing it in a different way.
0: And once again, Matt always believes the ends justify the means. Right. Now, this is where things got really fun for me. In my notes, <laughs> I just have, oh, snap! I remember now physics mom Mm -hmm. and that is where karen is taking ben urich to a nursing home upstate and first of all i just want to point out the faith that ben urich has in karen that's a long drive
1: yeah yeah
0: that's a big chunk out of your day
1: yeah and he still continues parks the car and they get into this nursing home the moment he sees this huge mansion he just doesn't take the turn and get out right away
0: yeah. Yeah. And she's still being real cagey about it. Yeah. When he's like, I can't afford this place. What do we do? And yeah. she's like, Come on. Just yeah. just come on. <laughs> I felt like she should be wearing like a newsboy cap and flipping a nickel during this episode. We just spit it out already.
1: Yeah, she didn't want it. She wanted him to hear it from the horse's mouth.
0: Yep. So we'll head up to Mrs. Vistain's room in just a minute. But first, we need to spend a little more time with the boys.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Focke is still having a very hard time wrapping his head around this.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he's only had a few hours to kind of process it all.
1: Yeah. And it seems like they're going in circles.
0: Yeah. Well, until this point when Matt opens up a little bit more about how he started doing all of this. And this is heartbreaking. How so? Well, because of the story, Matt's telling, especially for me, like as somebody who was once a mandatory reporter for abuse at at various times throughout my different jobs and whatnot, and knowing that children are suffering and not being able to do anything about it, it, it's rough. And even more so for Matt, this is one of those instances where it's like, you can understand him wishing he didn't have these abilities. Like, He just couldn't take it anymore.
1: Yeah, that's true. And it also justifies the fact that he feels that the law sometimes just isn't enough.
0: And you know what? He's right. Because this is all too common. So basically, Matt could hear at night a little girl being sexually abused by her father. Yeah. He tried to go the legal route. He reported it to social services. But the mother wouldn't believe it, wouldn't back the kid. And that is just all too often the case.
1: True. Yeah. Unfortunately.
0: So in his mind, he's thinking, not only I have to help this poor child, this poor helpless child like I was, but also what kind of person does it make me if I don't? Yeah, that's true. So after the legal way doesn't work, he goes after the father, stalks him and beats the living shit out of him.
1: Yeah, he beats him to an inch of his life.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I wasn't sorry. I think he got off easy.
1: Yeah, I wasn't sorry for him even for a second. But the problem here comes in not this particular story absolutely justified 100% what Matt did. Nobody can fault him for that. But what Mm -hmm, he started doing after that is that he didn't Uh try the legal route. He just went his way.
0: Yeah, that's cuz he liked it too much.
1: Exactly, and that's what Foggy brings up that you had to keep training. You were preparing for this even though you say you didn't want to and you hadn't for so long, but you still kept training. You don't remember the, these kind of things that you had learned as a kid and just one day be able to recall it and go become a ninja.
0: Yeah. In that moment, Matt both scared himself and freed himself. Yeah. He he gave himself permission with this guy to unleash the beast he'd been dying to unleash for years.
1: Right. And that's when Foggy says that maybe this whole thing is just an excuse to hit someone. Maybe you just can't stop yourself.
0: Yeah. And he does admit it, that he doesn't want to stop. Exactly. Now, there is one other thing we have to point out. And frankly, partner, I am shocked and disappointed that you have not said it first. Okay. You've complained about Matt's you know, current, present-day disguise and his problems with branding and whatnot. Uh, can we talk about his first one? Which is just a piece of cloth. A piece of cloth around his eyes.
1: Yeah, I decided to give it a pass because he <laughs> has learned since then. Not much, but he certainly has.
0: True, but how risky was that? Like, you look like a cartoon. That doesn't work.
1: <laughs> well, he did kind of beat that guy to an inch of his life. He if some if he told them that there was this dude with a mask on his eyes they'd just laugh at him
0: i don't know because they'd still see he was beaten to a bloody pulp so somebody had to do it
1: yeah they would probably think the guy was hallucinating or he was remembering wrong
0: still what if a witness had seen him what if something went wrong you know like come on matt at least a ski mask dude
1: <laughs> yeah true i agree and let's not forget so after now- he finished beating him Uh, senseless, he was walking around with bloody knuckles. Yeah, That's more of a warning sign than anything else. Forget about the bloody piece of cloth on his eyes.
0: Yes. You're right. So we head back upstate with Karen and Ben, who are now having a nice little conversation with Mrs. Mustaine, a.k.a. Mrs. Fisk. Yes. And we find out her sweet little Wilson visits her every weekend. That he does.
1: He's a good boy. <sighs> <laughs> I purposely said it just to just drive you up.
0: I know you did. <laughs> I know you, I know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> and what I also want to point out here is if we remember back either in the beginning of this episode or the previous episode, one of them had discovered in the papers that oh, yeah, Fisks mother died a year after the father.
1: Right, yeah, that was in the previous episode.
0: Yeah, now we know he's covered his tracks really well. Like, he buried this deep. Yes. So nobody could ever get to his mother.
1: Right. Which begs the question, how did she find out?
0: Uh Uh-huh. And they now have her admitting that Fisk killed his father.
1: Not quite explicitly, but sure, yes. It's very heavily implied. And after further questioning, I'm pretty sure that she would have given it up.
0: Yes. Now... Is this going to stand up in court? No. This woman has dementia, not going to hold up, but the information is still very useful.
1: Yes, it is. It's a small chink in his armor that they can exploit.
0: I think it's a massive chink finding his mother. Mm-hmm. So I just have to proclaim here fully mm-hmm. Karen Page is a fucking gangster. And she is my hero. (laughs) I don't care how she found this out. Do you see the look in her eyes in this episode? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It is like
0: she has sunk her teeth into a drumstick and she ain't letting go.
1: (laughs) And she's loving every minute of it.
0: She is. She drew this out. She is damn proud of herself and she should be. Yeah. It's a little scary. (laughs) It's a little evil.
1: Um, a little bit.
0: A little, a little bit, but in like the best way.
1: Yeah, and it goes to show that just how resourceful she is.
0: Yeah, it it really does. And it does have me thinking, like, what's she willing to do to this old lady? <laughs> how, how far is she willing to go?
1: Uh, no, I don't think she's that far gone
0: I don't know because I certainly she wouldn't want to hurt this poor woman absolutely not but ends justifying the means tit for tat he took Mrs. Cardenas no Karen is
1: she is a gray character everyone in the show is they all have shades of gray but Karen would not do that she wouldn't cross that line
0: well, my point is that Deborah Annwell does such a fantastic job in this episode that she actually has me thinking it could be possible.
1: That, yeah, undoubtedly. She does a fantastic job. Yes.
0: We leave the nursing home and head over to Fisk's uh, fundraising gala.
1: Yeah. Where he is giving a very impassioned speech. Mm hmm. With Vanessa looking at him. Oh, so lovingly.
0: Yes. And, you know, Fisk isn't the best public speaker, but I think everyone's just afraid enough of him that it doesn't matter. I think this makes sense. It goes back to the same conversation we had about him, his dating life. It makes sense because he hasn't spent a lot of time around people. When has he ever had to be a public speaker in the past? This is all new territory for him. Yeah,
1: absolutely. 100% agreed. But I don't think people are going along with it because they're scared. Because this is his public persona. Nobody knows about his nefarious dealings.
0: True, but I would still be afraid of that man.
1: That's because you're looking at him from as just simply as the physicality.
0: No, it's a combination of that and knowing that people with that kind of power, they can't be all good. They can't.
1: Okay, you're looking at it from your perspective as if you were to meet the public persona of Wilson Fisk. That's how you would think. But the people at this gala are at the same level as he is. They're all the big yeah. They're all influential.
0: They've all got at least one body buried in their basement. So, yeah, you have a point. Yeah.
1: And so here's the thing. He's not the best public speaker by far. He isn't. He's not even a good public speaker. No. But people are playing along. People are cozying up to him because they know he's an influential, rich powerful man. And he is at this point, the public's favorite. People love him. So they want to keep him close. They want to be his friend and they want to use him to further their own agenda. That's how these these big wigs deal. It's true. That's how these big wigs think about relationships. It's not about the emotion. It's about what they can get out of the other person.
0: Very true. Now, what happens next? I didn't remember from the show But I knew what was about to happen. One, because Vanessa clearly started to look like shit. And two, the fan fiction that I've been reading recently has elements of truth in it from various aspects of the Marvel universe. And I had just been reading the part where they mentioned that a whole bunch of people got food poisoning at an event in Hell's Kitchen. I was like, oh, fuck, it's coming. (laughs) Vanessa's going down. Mm -hmm. And she does. Yeah, she does. I'm assuming it was the champagne.
1: Yes, it was.
0: So we know at this point, somebody else has a death wish too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We don't know who, we don't know how, we don't know who was the target.
0: Well, I don't think any one person was the target. I think the event was the target, which means overall Fisk is the target. Probably. That kind of thing, you have no idea who it's going to hit. Yeah. And the randomness of it is what helps create even more chaos. Mm Mm-hmm. So Vanessa goes down like a sack of potatoes and (laughs) we head back over to Matt's apartment. Yes.
1: So while Vanessa was oozing this white foam, Matt's wounds are oozing. Can you
0: stop saying ooze? (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) You're doing it on purpose.
1: Yes, I am. It's so much fun to freak you out.
0: (sighs) You're the worst.
1: (laughs) It's what friends do. Mm
0: hmm. You know what else friends do? What? They give each other truth bombs. And that is exactly what Foggy is doing.
1: (laughs) But that is true.
0: As he says, hey, Maddie, guess who you sound like? Fisk. Exactly. And Foggy also points out something else here that I hadn't even thought of. He tells Matt, hey, asshole, if you got caught doing this, do you think for a second the cops would believe that karen and i didn't know and weren't complicit in this yeah that's true he has a good point hadn't and that's the lawyer in him right yeah i I hadn't even given that a thought but he's totally right
1: yeah absolutely and matt should have thought of this as well yes which is probably why he was keeping them in the dark
0: maybe i don't know we get one last flashback Showing just how much Foggy trusted Matt with everything— with this career, his life, his business, his livelihood, all of it.
1: Yeah, everything. Yeah, and Matt was at that point lying to him about tripping and falling.
0: Yeah. So the last thing we see is Foggy throwing their brand new sign in the trash, packing up his stuff, and leaving Nelson and Murdoch. Yeah. So I have a question for you at the end of this episode okay which of them foggy and matt do you think is the better man hmm
1: that's a very complicated question
0: it really is i feel like i could write a dissertation on that question <laughs> i can put it on my shelf next to the dissertation i wrote about the agents of shield finale
1: <laughs> well you can certainly write this dissertation and put it in our newsletter <laughs>
0: at which point everyone will unsubscribe
1: (laughs) yes i do feel i do feel bad for all our subscribers but this is the price you pay
0: for us (laughs) we must pay for printing costs (laughs) yes of course (laughs) yeah it's it's a very layered question it is and it's one that i can't answer yet
1: you know what i can't either I I see both sides Mm fit. I understand where Foggy's coming from with the betrayal. I also understand where Matt's coming from and his drive to do good. That's the thing about the show; it's so gray that there is no one clear cut answer for
0: anything. No, there really isn't. You could discuss this show backwards, forwards, and sideways till the end of time. Yeah, and that's one of the things that makes it so compelling.
1: True. Now I have a question for you. If you were to find out one of your closest friends had held such a big secret from you, would you have left or would you stay?
0: You know, it's funny you ask this because I was actually thinking about this before. Okay. You know, I was thinking about that earlier and I was thinking about my best friend and my husband and I just can't come up with something equivalent that I wouldn't have known about. Like, because I live with my husband and I have lived with him for nearly 10 years now. So if he'd been going out and fighting crime and getting pummeled every night, I'd have noticed. (laughs) Especially since he can't even do a leg day without complaining about it an hour later.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, don't take it in literal sense. I mean, there could be anything. That could be a big secret.
0: In terms of romantically, it's different if somebody has an affair or something like that. That's a completely different thing than what Matt did. I guess the closest thing I can come up with is, so my best friend and I, we've known each other for seven years now. She's been like a sister to me. We have very similar health issues. We we share a condition and some other issues. So I guess if I found out that... She was faking that this entire time, was lying about all of it and didn't have any of these conditions. No fucking way. I'd be done. I would feel so incredibly angry and I would also feel stupid and humiliated and like used. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd walk away. That's,
1: That's I think the crux of it.
0: Yeah, I'd walk away. But I also don't have a business with her. Mm hmm. But I think if I did, it would make it even worse. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if like say we had a business together coaching people with chronic illness or working on nutritional stuff because we, we both have kind of backgrounds in that and I find, found out she was basically like the Rachel Dolezal of chronic illness. Yeah, I'd be done.
1: <laughs> okay, so now that brings the question to you and me. We have a business together. We obviously aren't, we don't know each other for that long. But if you found out I had some big bad secret, then what?
0: Well, I already, th- I already think you're a serial killer, so <laughs> I already know there are bodies somewhere piling up. Hmm. I don't. I honestly, I can't think of anything between the two of us, because even if, let's say, I found out you were lying to me that you were secretly married to like some billionaire, that's just a good thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wish right
0: yeah (laughs) I got nothing
1: okay so dear listeners if you have any deep dark secrets you would like to share with us you can (laughs) you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Marvel Madams
0: no we just want to make it clear the seal of confession does not apply to podcasters (laughs) so thank you to all you madams for joining us today I'm Madam Chris
1: and I'm Madame Amy. Join us next week for Season 1, Episode 11 of Daredevil.
0: If you enjoy listening to us and you'd like an exclusive episode about how we met and started the podcast, our origin story, as it were, join our email list and we'll send you the link. And we promise no dissertation.
1: <laughs> Sign up on our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where infinity stones are a girl's best friend.
0: I did not hear this guy leave because I was so into what I was doing. Okay. And he called he like he called me from upstairs, let me know. Like, I'm all done here. We did the payment. Blah blah blah. After that, I, I don't know what happened. Like time just I, I I don't know. I went through a portal of some kind. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but I just <laughs> I don't know, because I'm listening. I'm I'm waiting to hear this guy come down. And then 15 minutes, 20 minutes goes by. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing up there? So I'm freaked out at this point. I put a mask on. I go up to my landing and I see the truck still out there, but the tree's in the way. So I can't see into it, but I see his truck is still there. And I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? So I mm-hmm. like yell upstairs. Is there something else you need? No answer. And I'm like, oh my God. What, what is happening right now. Because I swear to you, I did not think this guy had left my house. And I have nothing in my hands. I'm like, oh, my God. I get up to the top of the stairs and in the loft space, we have some just crap I was storing there. And there's a cast iron skillet. And I'm saying to myself, oh, my God, am I in an Ashley Judd movie? Do I need to go pick up this cast iron skillet in case this guy is in my bedroom sniffing our underwear? Like, what is happening? these are the actual (laughs) things that were going through my head so then okay i i like cross the hallway and i peek around the corner and there's nobody there i kid you not i went through every room and every fucking closet making sure this wasn't like an open house situation like a terrible movie on netflix i'm like krista you fucking idiot (laughs) you just didn't hear him leave